Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, his first home run as a Yankee, tied the game in the fifth. Infielders still looking for instructions. He shows bunt, he lays it down, here comes the runner! There's the lead for the Yankees! Kiner-Falefa's knocked in all three. Benintendi steps on home and it's 3-2. Hi, this is Emily Nyman, and you're listening to Breaking Balls. Welcome to episode 112 of Breaking Balls. I'm your host, Emily Nyman. I'm, of course, joined by my co-host, John Snyder. You can find us on Twitter, at BreakBallsPod. Or if you're feeling brassy, give the Breaking Balls hotline a call. 631-820-7377. I feel like we should have at this point, like, when we last left you, the Yankees were... Just kidding. Well, I was going to say, like, we, the last few episodes, they've started the same way. It's like, hey, guys, we're back. The Mets are still good. The Yankees are still good. But can we say that? <laughs> now, <laughs> yes, we can overall, but it's been a rough stretch for both of us. A little bit more you guys than us. Yeah, like, the Yankees are still in first place. The Mets are still in first place. But holy shit, the last the last month for the Yankees has not been great. Um, we last recorded on August third, so that was just under two weeks ago. And the Yankees on that day were seventy and thirty six. Flash forward to today, they are seventy two and forty four. They've gone two and nine. But on August third, the second place team in the American League East was the Toronto Blue Jays, and they were eleven games back today. The second place team is the Tampa Bay Rays, and they are 10 games back. I mean, they are mere outs away from being nine games back. Mere outs away. <laughs> but, like, and listen, I'm not trying to make excuses, like, as if, oh, everything's fine. They've been playing great. And not like this lead can't evaporate. It can. Right. But the other teams also have to, like, do their part in order for that to happen. And fortunately for the Yankees, no team has really been able to get beyond this 10-game mark. So, of course, when they drop to nine games... There's going to be all fucking hell breaking loose among Yankee fans, but it's still a nine game well, lead. Okay, first off, there's going to be hell breaking loose. Hell is already breaking loose amongst the Yankee fan base. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's it's one of those things where a lot of people were, and rightfully so, bragging, you know, the position the Yankees had put themselves in the first half of the year. And some of the things you would read were like, well, you know, they, could, they could even afford to play, you know, 300 ball, 400 ball for the rest of the season. They would still make the playoffs. And granted, it hasn't been quite that miserable. But still, I mean, these are the hard times. These are those times where it's like, yeah, this is the storm that they set themselves up to weather. And a lot of people are just jumping ship rather than like, hey, it's still the same team that was, you know, playing 700 whatever ball. Un clearly unsustainable. But I mean, people act like that's a bad thing versus like that's just math man like that 98 team you know here's what it comes down to for me there's so many yankees fans and like you for example you were 12 in throw for the 1998 season so all these people was like oh it's the 98 yankees again and now okay they're not because that's an absurd standard and people are not interested now and it's crazy to me because it, it's still a very very good team you still got aaron judge being aaron judge and it's like yeah, no, but I know better. I think it would be best if they lost, and if they just tanked the season, it'll teach them a lesson, build some character, we'll come back stronger in 2023. It's honestly insane. Like, I have seen those takes that, like, they would love to watch the Yankees collapse, and they think that that's what's best for the team. Now, beyond the fact of getting into, like, the... the uh, 
I just almost call this philosophy, where I guess it is, getting into the fan philosophy of what what are you a fan of exactly if you are literally rooting for them being to lose? Right. They're fans of being right. Like you'd rather see Brian Cashman sweat on the Yes Network or whatever than actually see them make a run and get better. Like I just I cannot relate to that sort of fandom. I can't. Well, and that and that's exactly it. It's fans who over the course of the season they posture themselves to in retrospect, even if it's a you know, making a call that's bad for the team. It's like, but I called it though, right? Like I said, the Yankees were going to lose. I said they were going to suck. I said that, you know, all this stuff. And it's like, so, okay, at the end of the season, let's say that they do suck the rest of the season. And you're right. Congratulations. Right. Like, like are I, we going to hoist the fucking uh, banner yeah, for that it's, at it's the stadium? It's so weird, man. Is there going to be a fucking parade down the Canyon of Heroes with you on, on front of the float because you called the Yankees not winning the World Series? Like, and I mean, that aside, like, it's even, l- listen, let's be honest. It's not the hardest thing in the world to be a Yankees fan over the last couple decades, right? And so, like, you know, when, when we're coming across, like, oh, you know, this is like a rough patch for the Yankees, it's a, you know, in the cosmic sense, it's really kind of a, it's a, it's a blip. It's a bump. But you're really, you know, all these people who think of themselves as hardcore, they're being really revealed for, like, you can't even handle this, man? Are you kidding me? You're in first place? You're still up by 10 games? Like, you know, yeah, okay, you're, you're playing, like, 200 ball right now, whatever. You can't handle this? Are you kidding me? And also, like, a lot of the same fans that are seemingly rooting for a collapse, they were the fans, and and I'm not even trying to separate myself from this aspect of the fandom, that didn't think this team was going to do much. So they're of... to be fair, was most people in April. Right. So they're of the, the train of thought that this team has overperformed up to this point. So if they think that the team overperformed and... They think that the team collapsing is going to result in Cashman being fired. Those two things don't go together. No. Because then, is the team expected to be really good? Or did you expect them to not be this good and they've overperformed and are now regressing? In what world will that get Brian Cashman fired? The team hasn't won shit in 13 seasons. So why would this season suddenly be any different than the last ones? And he's going to get canned at the end of it because a team that you yourself have said is overperforming has regressed to the mean that you think that they should be playing at. Well, and that's what's so funny. Make it make sense. The reality is even if the Yankees were to completely tank the rest of the season, Cashman keeps his job just based on the first half of the season. His job was secured by the time the All-Star break hit. (laughs) This guy built a roster with fucking Josh Donaldson and all these other clowns (laughs) that has somehow maintained first place since like April. Yeah. And this is With a stranglehold, not just like barely, like they... You know, stranglehold on first. Yeah, like the amount of luck that's been involved in, in in terms of the Yankees being able to play 300 baseball for the last month, but still not really make any lose any ground in the division is just insane. Considering how well the division has been playing relatively to the rest of the American League, like this is still one of the tougher divisions, despite the fact that no one else in it is able to gain ground unless they are like directly playing the Yankees. They haven't been able to capitalize on the Yankees only winning two games out of their last 11. Now, also, you you just brought up luck here. Can we talk about luck for a second? Yes. Because luck, for some reason, has become this dirty word in the in the current discourse, especially on social media. Um, and, you know, I bring it back to the Mets, but it's with the Yankees, too. Like part of what's happening to the Yankees right now, the Yankees are not getting lucky. No. First half of the season, they were getting lucky. And it's ridiculous that I have to qualify those statements, but I do. I'm not saying by either of those things that the Yankees are not a good team. To say that they got lucky, yeah, they were lucky and they were good. 
like right. good teams are, you know? A, a big part that like points to that is their run differential. So like it just recently dipped under 200 plus runs. I think it's at like 197 or something right now. That's it. Right. <laughs> and the reason for that is because in the beginning, the first half of the season, they were absolutely trouncing teams, but then they were winning all of the close games to the point where they were even coming back and right. winning in the late innings. Now, that luck ran out seemingly for the last month because their their wins are coming where they'll win by a couple runs, but then their losses, they're not getting the shit kicked out of them. They're now losing those games that were they were winning by a fucking run in the first half. And it's so funny. Yeah, luck has just become this like copium for fans, right, you know, yeah. like lucky 100 with games. The, yeah, cuz Braves fans like like you know when they took that 4 out of 5 from the Braves, the Mets did. You know, they got fucking his name Spencer Strider. I'm like, "Oh, you know, they got lucky," which by the way is something that he read online, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um and then Braves fans pick up the chorus It's like, "Oh, you know, they're getting lucky." Like, look, you know, look at the XBA on these hits and stuff, and it's like are you fucking serious? This team who won the World Series last year after having like the 12th best record and playing 500 ball most of the season, you're going to complain about someone else being lucky? I know, it's insane. The reality is good teams create their own luck. Right. Is what it really comes down to. You push the other team enough, you capitalize on mistakes, stuff like that. Yeah, if you're on the receiving end of that shit stick, you'd be like, oh, they, they got lucky. It's like, yeah, because they're a good team and good teams get lucky. It's both at the same time. Right. And putting them themselves in a position regularly to be lucky right. is that it's like okay well the team is constantly in it and and they're in these games so yeah that squib hit down the line may have you know and well actually what's funny about that is that a lot of some of those hits they had fucking xbas that were over 500 so like yeah i get it wasn't barreled but that ball with a similar launch angle and a similar exit velocity is a hit most of the time so what are you saying well what they're saying is that <laughs> If you hit a hard line drive out, well, that's better than, you know, a soft single. Like, okay. Yeah, if, if they eventually fall for hits. Well, but look at Joey Gallo. He had he was in like a 95-plus percentile for hard hit mm -hmm. balls. But they were not falling for hits basically 90% of the time. So, and I'm not, listen, you guys know me. I'm not over here trying to say that exit velocity and hitting the ball hard doesn't matter. It does. But right. it's not always the end-all be-all because you have players that all they do is hit the ball but at, right at somebody well you know what it is i think it's a fundamental misunderstanding of how to apply analytics right because like if you want to say that in the big picture it's going to work out better if right. you hit the ball hard that's 100%. true but in a given game which we know baseball is such a big sample size any one game is not going to swing the needle either way if the result was one you know hard hit well that's an out soft hit you got on base well that's baseball, man. It worked that game. You know, it doesn't refute the larger point, but to try and argue, it's like, well, they didn't do as well because they didn't hit the ball hard. It's like, yeah, but they won. So, what, what, what do you? What's the, what's the end goal here? What, what do you right. really want? You know. And the path to winning the division or or to a playoff spot is all about like what teams face along the way. I mean, the Yankees and the Mets, they're a lot of their offensive success has been different, mm -hmm. but because of the path that they have to take in order to win their division or, or get to the postseason, they're not the same. So they right. don't necessarily need the same things in like a a, uh, a zoomed-in scale. I, I can't think of the word right now where it's like, obviously, yeah, they need the hits, they need the pitching, but like the Yankees, 50% or something oh, of like their runs a, have like come from Like a microcosmic run. scale. Right, yeah. where the Mets have been able to be, be successful by having their runs come from other means that aren't the right. home run necessarily. So, like, there's obvious, there's 
even though I hate this saying because I love cats, but there's <laughs> a bunch of different ways to skin a cat, whoa, as they say. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I know. We, we are recording outside, so Apollo didn't hear that. Cats have good hearing. Are you sure about that? <laughs> Honestly, she's been sitting right inside, like, looking at me every time I go in, like, why are you not hanging out with there's me? There's different ways to what? <laughs> Hopefully the Yankees figure out one of those ways soon, though, because this is starting to get old. I mean, I don't begrudge fans for, like, not liking this product. It sucks. It's not fun to watch right now. I've turned off plenty of games because it's been frustrating, and I... Not that I don't like the frustration, but it's still... Sometimes it's too much, but come on, to actively root for them to lose? What the fuck? Well, right, because what you do is the actual fan response. Where, like, you know, we realize in a season like this, when your team is good, especially, you know, you look at the first half how exciting that was to watch, you go through a rough stretch, it's harder in comparison. You know, you're not used to losing, you're not used to these struggles, you know, the lack of coming up in clutch situations. So it's kind of like, yeah, if, if you're an adult and you're a real fan, it's like, all right, I don't need to watch the last hour of this game. The 12-year-old response is like, they're going to lose, and I hope they lose. You know what? <laughs> I hope they lose tomorrow. I hope they don't make the fucking playoffs. I hope the Cashman loses his job. Like, whoa, whoa, calm down. Like, where did this spiral come from? And to be just fair, turn off the game, man. And to be fair, you're right. It is very 12 year old response. And I don't blame people who were around my age for now lashing out in this way because when we were actually 12, the when Yankees, you were 12, it was the 98 Yankees. It was yeah, the 98 yeah. Yankees. <laughs> so we had no reason, even though apparently they had a tough middle of the season. I think it, I don't know if it was July or August, but they also struggled. Now I'm not saying that it's like a one to one comparison, but the idea that even great teams that are that were fantastic and and all time in hindsight didn't have their well, downs is just not true. And think about the perspective. If the Yankees fucking then go to September and they lose three games the whole month of September, no one's going to remember about August. Right, no one's going to remember this conversation. No one's going to listen to this episode again because it's going to be irrelevant. You know what I mean? It's so true. And like, God, please, baseball gods, if you're listening, I hope that happens. <laughs> if you're listening, help! God, if you're listening, help! <laughs> Literally, because this is fun. Now fans are just turning on each other. You're having fans that are paying for fucking cable packages to watch the game. They've convinced themselves that they're not paying into the same revenue stream that fans who go to games and, and you know, the fans that go to games are just there to hang out. It's like, well, yeah, it's like people like were you in the stands fucking calling the shots? You were you were on the phone with the dugout like what you're watching a game and hanging out with the people you're right. with. Like what else is there to do at the stadium? Like we, we're now just. We're eating our own, basically, is what's happening. Well, okay, speaking... I wasn't going to segue this, but you just presented me with one. Speaking of, you know, taking shots from the fans, you see that whole thing with Tony LaRusso? Tony LaRusso has been on a roll lately. And I'm not just talking about him falling asleep yeah. in the dugout in the middle of a game. <laughs> on a roll, having fucking best dreams of his life Dude, the there Dude, there was a video of, like, you know, some... A couple fans, White Sox fans, sitting right near the dugout, and, you know, clearly within earshot of De La Russa, and they're screaming that, and I'm like, Tony, you gotta put in a pinch runner, Tony, and he kind of, like, there's, like, this delay, and then La Russa, like, you know, slowly makes his way out, and kind of gesture, and, and he puts the pinch runner in, <laughs> which begs the question, it's like, did he not realize that it was a fan saying that, and it was, like, Tony La Russa's conscience, like, <laughs> just a senile, like, Oh yeah, that that is a good idea, Tony. Yeah, I think I will put in a pinch run. He was like, actually, he thought that he was like meditating, but he was just asleep. Yeah, and yeah. Someone next to him said it. <laughs> Dude, I mean, I fall asleep watching fucking Central teams too. No That's... offense, especially when the Cardinals swept us in St. Louis. I especially <laughs> pretended like I was asleep during that entire fucking series. Well, you know, we're on it. Well, segues keep popping up. We'll wait on the Mets. You want to talk about snooze fests for the Central, oh. the Field of Dreams game this year? 
My God. I, I, you know what? They, they made a mistake. They didn't juice the balls like they did last year. They so obviously did, and we complained. We should have kept our mouth shut. It could have been entertaining. A-Rod literally predicted before the game. They're like, how many home runs do you guys think? A-Rod said eight home runs. There wasn't a single home run. <laughs> like, I'm sure it's special for the players and for the people who are at the game. Like, I would love to go to that game just because The experience seeing, would be very cool, yes. If for no other reason, I don't even care about the whole Field of Dreams aesthetic. I just want to go to a professional Major League Baseball game where there's only 5,000 seats. Right, that intimate is awesome. Awesome. 100%. That aside, like, the kitsch is now, like, it's too cheesy in my opinion like the one time was great using teams and we said that last year do you we remember did. we're like was well, this going to become like a thing like you know this is his first field of dreams game you know in the 15 years it was the pageantry was already gone they had kevin costner walk out the first year and stuff like that and it was just like everything just felt like a like a repeat it was a shittier game it was a shittier product it was boring it was over by the second inning like yeah it was horrible <sighs> spare i mean me and like Major League Baseball just absolutely loves shooting themselves in the foot because they chose the teams last August for this year. The Cubs had already had their fire sale where they got rid of all of their good players. With the exception of already given up and they still put them in the game. (laughs) The Reds have made it clear for the last like I don't know. They they snuck into the postseason in 2020, but then they let Bauer walk, and he was like the only good player on the team next to Votto. Which was funny because like at the time it's like, what are you doing? But then in retrospect, it's like, good job, Reds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> good one point for the Reds that right, they yeah. haven't gotten in a long time. One point for the Reds. They're still going to lose whatever game we had that point to, but a <laughs> point to the Reds. <laughs> but what fucking brainiac? Like, and you know that this was a decision of a committee of some kind. This wasn't some like unilateral decision by the commissioner to make it the Reds and the Cubs. Some sort of fucked up committee decided that that was a good combo of teams when both of them are basically fighting to stay above 400. So many things in MLB are like that. If you apply that thinking like this had to go through like levels of people saying yes and approving it and be like, yeah, this is this is our best option. Let's go with this. Or maybe like they knew that they just weren't going to get it. Like last year they peaked and that game was so sick that MLB was like, you know what? We just peaked, but we've already kind of committed to having it another year. So let's just tank it on purpose. Like, is there a better... Is this their excuse to not have to do it a third time? I mean, name a better duo than MLB and tanking on purpose. Like, I would not put it past them to be like, you know what? Let's just fucking throw these two loser teams in. No one will watch. We got Rob Manfred at the press conference like, well, agriculturally speaking, we can only rotate the soil three (laughs) times before the corn is not really going to turn a profit for us, so this will be the last Field of Dreams game. Well, speaking of the corn, I did make the, uh, while I was sitting there contemplating life and why I was actually spending time watching this game, I was thinking about that, you know that a fucking game is boring, and you know that it gave people who were like, baseball's boring a lot of ammo when they talked about corn multiple times in the broadcast. Like, That's rough. I know Johnny Bench is an all-time great, and like, listen, I get that he was on the Reds, but, like, he's a fucking 75 or 80-year-old man. Like, he's well, cute, and, and his post-game and pre-game thing was cute with A-Rod or whatever, but, like, a fucking 15-minute interview mid-game where we're already all falling asleep. So I recognize that, like we said, it's probably a decision they have to make ahead of time. So, you know, maybe the Cubs were worse than they thought, whatever. But even in terms of, like, you're trying to grow the game. That's the whole point of this, right? Who are you going to interview from the Reds? Votto's playing. Like I'm talking like, you know, players recently. Like with the Yankees last year, you have options. You can, you know, get Derek Jeter in the booth, get Alex Rodriguez to talk, you know, that kind of thing. 
who the fuck are you going to talk from the Cubs and from the Reds? You know, as much as like, you know, I'm sick of seeing the Dodgers do everything. It would have been better with the Dodgers because it's better to have. I'd rather root against the team than be apathetic, you know, and I even fell into the hole of like that game was on Channel 5 on Channel 4. Some random NFL fucking preseason game was on and there were times where like I found myself for like five minutes I was just watching the football game like oh shit that's right there was a crappy baseball game on that I should watch well you knew that they were starting to mail it in especially when like they would suddenly drop the 1920s aesthetic and play fucking Yacht Rock commercial break music like okay so they're just leaning into the 70 year old fan base and you know what that is it's because it's on Fox and the the program I'm serious whatever whoever programs the music for Fox is like a rock and jam band guy you hear fish all the time Grateful Dead classic rock snippets Yacht Rock because you know on on football on Sundays I'll constantly like I'll be like watching the Jets and be like hey that's Tweezer by Fish it's like coming out of a commercial break so I don't think anybody gave him the memo and he just like did his thing, which would 100% be Yacht Rock and shit like that. Speaking of just doing their thing, Friday night, the baseball world was hit with some pretty bad news, all things considered. Fernando Tatis Jr. suspended for 80 games for PED suspension. Uh, he apparently took something called ball, which is a which, banned substance. Which ends in OL, so it's a steroid. That's yeah, all I know. Exactly. You know that it's banned. He accepted the suspension because what else? I mean, I guess he could have appealed it, but he took it. So. Oh, he he didn't appeal. I don't. I think he said that he wasn't going to appeal. Mm, that he was just take. Well, what's he did? What they all do is that it's like they try to act like it's some like I'm not going to appeal this. I'm going to accept my punishment. But then it was I had ringworm and that's why I did it. Oh and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then his dad said that it was actually from a fungus he got during a haircut. So it's like I okay, might, was it a ringworm? I or, might be wrong about this, but isn't there a thing where like. Like the players association like really wants them to always appeal just like for the precedent's sake um i feel like that's unusual to just accept a punishment at face value like that i feel like that sounds right it feels like they always appeal right yeah even if it's like obvious and nothing comes of it i feel like or you know what maybe he didn't appeal because he's not playing right now anyway that's probably so it's like what am i going to do appeal to keep myself on the field like that could be it that's probably exactly it is that it was you know what, like, he might as well just start counting the games now when he's not even playing. So, like, listen. <laughs> God, God. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you folks. And, and Padres fans that are listening, I love you guys. And, you know, I love the Padres and Manny and even Tatis. But I'd be lying if I said that I didn't have big time, like, schadenfreude the other night. And it's not even – I don't want this for the game. It's bad for the game. I don't want it for Tatis or Padres or their fans. But, like – after fucking being an A-Rod fan for all this time and and him taking so much shit and me taking so much <laughs> shit for it, it was almost like, welcome to the club, finally. Right, Here, right. <laughs> let, me, let me give you guys some advice on how to deal with this. Just accept it. It happened. I mean, to... I oh, can't believe I'm about to say these words in this order. To A-Rod's credit, though. Oh uh, he, <laughs> save that soundbite, DJ Benjikton. fuck up. <laughs> um, no, but seriously, to A-Rod's credit, he had at least kind of established himself as a future Hall of Famer, yes. and then he got popped. Tatis has barely got going, and it's like, you're what, what is he, 23? It's yeah. like, your legacy is already tarnished? That's tough, man. Though, it'll and, be interesting. Well, I was going to say, end credit to the Padres, they didn't baby him. You know, there's no kid gloves in this. They came right out, and they're like, yeah, this is disappointing. Like, I'm paraphrasing here. They basically said, like, we hope he grows up. You know, right. he needs to grow up, or this, you know. Yeah, because it was first the motorcycle accident and now this in the same season. It's the, like, bro. Let us not forget the which one motorcycle accident when he was asked. 
dude. Like, this dude, yeah, this kid's got his head so far up his fucking ass right now. It's insane. And what I can't get past, uh, for all of this, it's not even Tatis that I'm picturing. It's just the expression on Juan Soto's face. As all of this is going down, he just got to the Padres. They released that video of him meeting Tatis. I don't know, meeting for the first time, you know, seeing Tatis in the workout room and like, oh, it's going to be sick next year. And it's like, no, it's not. Already, it's not. And the Padres have not been playing well in the wake of all this either. All of a sudden, Soto was like, oh, so this is why they traded for me because they were just in with the new 23 year old replacement. Okay, crappy tinfoil hat time. Um, Did they know? I know. You know, the, it's not like he got popped and then the next day we found out about this. Like, it happened, you know, weeks ago. Right. Could line up with the trade deadline. They might have known. They might have known. And this Friday, I mean, they had to do this, but it does fit into the tinfoil hat theory. This Friday was supposed to be Fernando Tatis Jr. bobblehead night. They've obviously scratched that and they've replaced it with Juan Soto City Connect jersey giveaway. So, like, they are literally they just, replacing him with a new they, star. They take the Tatis ones and they just, like, color in all the facial <laughs> hair, like, skin tone. Yeah, they, <laughs> it's like, no, it's Soto. It's Soto. Look. <laughs> yeah, they just do, like, a crude fucking haircut on all the bobbleheads, just, like, chopped off at the end. So, I don't have a better segue than, uh, suffice it to say, haha, <laughs> sucks to be Soto. I'm glad he's out of the East. Speaking of the NL East. The Mets. We are not going to get out of this without talking about the Mets. Now, it turns out I should have really pushed to record. It's my fault. I'll, I'll take this on the chin. It was my fault we didn't record last week. Yeah, John. fish in Atlantic City. I need a couple days to recover. Yada, yada, yada. Anyway, I should have because the Mets, up until a couple days ago, were absolutely killing it. Just absolutely killing it. Since we last recorded on August 3rd, they had gone 10-3. and They've been 11-4 and in August. 17-4. Uh, and since uh, July 24th, that was including, I think, like 14 of 16, and just basically 17 and 6 since the All-Star break. But the last couple days have made it feel like things are not as good as they could be. So let's let's rewind just quickly. Um, so the Mets... Falling have, apart in New York. Falling apart in New York. <laughs> so since the All-Star break, the Mets have continued their strategy of mostly just winning series, right? You take two or three from Washington. The big one was we took four or five from Atlanta. We got our uh, division lead up to six and a half games. DeGrom came back. He was perfect through, I think, five and a third, five and two thirds or something like that. Just firing on all cylinders. Absolutely stomped the Braves into submission. Swept Cincinnati in three. Took two or three from the Phillies. Enter the injury bug. We had gotten this far somehow in the season without that annual Mets just bullshit. And here we are. So uh, feel free to fast forward two minutes if you don't want to hear all these names. But... uh, (laughs) <laughs> Spark Notes version, Carlos Carrasco pitched two innings yesterday, and he's out for three to four weeks with a low-grade oblique strain. Oof. Luis Guillorme came up lame uh, coming into home a couple days ago, so he's now out four to six weeks with a strained left groin. Ooh. Eduardo Escobar, turned out, had been playing through a nagging left side tightness that now it's looking like he might have to take a few days off. Uh, Thomas Nito, COVID-related. They don't say he has COVID, so hopefully he'll be, he'll be back soon, but contact or whatever. And now just tonight, you know, the cherry on top of all of this is Taiwan Walker. The day after Carlos Carrasco can only go to, and, you know, we have to use up some of the pen, Taiwan Walker can only go to with back spasms. He has to come out, and the Mets wound up losing again tonight, 5 to nothing. And he's been, like, on and off with injuries for the last few starts, I feel like. He has, and you know what? It's, what what's rough is um, Taiwan was a tale of two halves last year. And I, we're hoping it's not the same, but he was killer in the first half this year. And he had a rough start, his last start against the Braves a couple starts ago. He was okay the start in between, and then tonight he's hurt. 
Yeah. And who knows how long we got, you know, he's going to be out for. Um, we'll know by the time this comes out. But yeah, so that, of course, necessitated some call ups. So, you know, Nogasek is back up. Alvarez is up. Wait, what? No, no, no. Not that the Alvarez. The Alvarez? And of course, Baseball Karma. No, it's RJ Alvarez, some relief pitcher. And Buck Showalter did his tongue in cheek, like, oh, you know, we're talking about bringing Alvarez up. Well, we did. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. It's like, yeah, well, your starting pitcher just got hurt. Now this asshole has to pitch three innings in a really important divisional game. <laughs> and then he gets shelled. And he got shelled, correct. Um, because the catching situation, Michael Perez had to come up. He had some nice throws tonight. He threw out uh, Ronald Acuna twice. It was kind of the highlight of the game. Little did we know at the time for us. And, uh, yeah, Devin Marrero's back up. Uh, noted Long Island Duck from earlier this year, Devin Marrero. Yeah, really? yeah, yeah, he signed with the Ducks in April, and he's, he's on the Mets now. He got called up. Holy shit. And here's the big one. Through all of this crap, this haze of just like, oh, my God, what's happening in this good season? Otherwise good season, perhaps a beacon of hope? Brett Beatty's coming up tomorrow. Is he like a prospect? Are you even a baseball fan? Yeah, so he's one of the... You know <laughs> damn well I, know, I, know. I do not follow prospects. <laughs> no, so especially now with Escobar being out. Yeah, uh, Beatty, I think, is a... Th- third baseman if i'm not mistaken um, so he's uh, like because he know i know like the hesitation was when guillorme was out they didn't call him up right away because he's not a shortstop and guillorme can play shortstop but now with uh, escobar being third base being out it makes more sense and he's been killing it. he slayed in double a all season he just got called up to triple a like a week ago and he's been killing it so there's been calls like the kid's ready like let's go right. so even to the point where i believe that he may lose his rookie eligibility now if he stays up then hopefully it's just the Mets pointing to like, listen, like this is the situation we're in. You know, it's time. You know, as as much as every team manipulates service time, now is not the time to be fucking with that if you're serious about it. Right. So even that's like, yeah, they don't have the big enough lead in the division to really fuck with things. Right. When they initially didn't call him up yesterday, there was this sense of like, we've been going for it on every other front. Like, why are we not going for it? And then it just they needed another day. It's like, okay, now he's coming up. He'll be here tomorrow. We got Scherzer going, we got DeGrom going, and, you know, you want them in the position where, you know, you hopefully win those two games, win more. Now we're at, like, okay, we lost those first two. We need to win these two games. It's so weird that the Mets and the Braves have been having all these, like, four or five game set series. Like, I think it was a combination of the the late start. There was some scheduled doubleheaders, and then, just like always happens, there was a few from April. Like, I know we had a doubleheader last series. This one, I think, was a planned four game series. It just happened to having to line up like that you just reminded me real real quick of calling up like when you talk about calling up prospects how yankee fans are really upset that oswald cabrera hasn't been called up yet because right. isaiah kind of falefa listen he's isaiah kind of falefa he's basically the player that he's always been so that's not true he hit a home run the other day didn't he <laughs> yes <laughs> and he's very much not the player that he was for the last year <laughs> yes so i know the story is judge and his home runs and he's on a 64 home run pace right now and could break the american league record blah blah blah, blah, blah of that which is horrible that i just did that judge is amazing i love him but isaiah <laughs> kind of but okay Finally hit a fucking home run, and it ended up being really big. He he basically won that game for the Yankees versus the Red Sox to avoid being swept by the Red Sox in Fenway, which would have been terrible. And good for Kiner Falefa because it came on the heels of him getting a lot of shit from fans, myself included. His dad called out the John Boy crew. Oh, yeah, that got a little messy online. Oh, oh my God, yeah, it got really bad. His dad basically blamed them for, like, some idiot 
fan sent his dad something terrible that I'm not even going to go into detail on. Oh, yeah, not worth it. And it upset his family, understandably so, and his, his dad placed blame on John Boy because they've been critical of him, but who hasn't? I mean... Right. I mean, <laughs> again, not, it's not... <laughs> It's not a dick thing to say, like, yeah, critical, because he deserves it. He hasn't played well. Right. Like, and, and it's nothing personal. Well, that's the problem. Some people bring it personal. And if, if you're being a good fan, it's not a personal thing. It's just you're not having a good season, bro. Right. And also, like, yeah, I get that this is the player he is, so it's not like he's playing not as good as he can, but, like, it's not his fault per se, but it, he's still playing the games, and he's still right. out there. So, yeah, is it Brian Cashman's fault for putting him in a situation where he knows that fans are not going to be satisfied with this kind of player? Yeah. But like, sorry. No, listen. I no. And seriously, I like that we're taking our own advice here, and we're not being doom and gloom. We're ending this on a positive note. IKF hit a home run. I'm going to do the same thing Ooh. for the Mets right now. Lindor, who got so much shit last year for that deal, and even early on, well, suck it, Lindor haters. He's the best shortstop in baseball right now. He has Aww, five FWAR. He's fifth overall in baseball in FWAR right now. And he just broke the Mets' single-season record for a shortstop for RBI. Wow, really? And it's the middle of August, yeah. Jose, Jose Reyes had it. It was like 60 or 61, something like that. So wow. between that, Diaz getting his 200th save. There's still bright spots. These are still good seasons for the Mets and for the Yankees. Let's be patient, guys. Let's not panic because of August. There's still a lot of baseball left to be played. And on that note, let's get right into the voicemails. Our first voicemail is from Quinn. Hey, it's Quinn. Uh, just wanted to start off by saying having Pete Rose on a broadcast, anybody could have told you that was going to be a disaster, and then they still did it, and it was a disaster. And I, I know that I know broadcasts are technically like contracted or whatever, but like the guy's banned from baseball, so why would you have him on a broadcast? But anyways, whatever. Um, on Sunday, Ed Hickox probably had one of the worst umpire games I have ever seen. That guy was absolutely awful. I don't know how the someone can be that bad and get away with it. And also, I was at the game on Saturday, and from all the controversy I see, I would think, that, like, all the controversy about having names on the back of Yankees jerseys, I would think that you would almost never see him. But, like, I was at the game, and I, there were quite a few Yankees fans there, and, like, almost every jersey I saw had the name on it. So I don't understand how it's such a controversial topic when, like, every jersey I saw had one. And then also um, just a testament to how good Aaron Judge is doing. Like, he was 5 for 13 over the weekend with two walks and a double. And, like, he's just so good that I'm thinking, oh, yeah, good thing – he didn't get to us, even though he bat like five or three fifty that series. And then also, uh, you asked about how I feel about the Cardinals not doing anything at the deadline. Well, they never really do anything at the deadline. Like they they traded for John Lackey a few years ago. That was kind of a big move. And then Holiday like ten years ago. Um, but other than that, they just kind of make small moves at the deadline. So that's just kind of what they do. Like. Uh, they were apparently in on Soto, um, but they just didn't want to give up that much, which I'm not too upset about because I definitely am a prospect hugger since I watch like all these guys at in person like once a week. Yeah, and also they they just have like a logjam of outfielders anyways, uh, which is like why they traded Bader. And yeah, uh, yeah, Jordan Montgomery established himself as a bonafide bonafide ace over the weekend, so that was nice. And then. 
also, oh yeah, another nice thing. Uh, you don't have to compete. You don't have to make quite as many big moves at the deadline when the only other team in the division that's even remotely trying trades away Josh Hader. Yeah, that's not working out for them very well so far. Yeah, now they yeah because Devin Williams he was doing really good. Like he was an all star, uh, and they thought he could take over a closer. And anyone would have assumed that he could because he's really good. But he just it just has not been working out so far. Uh, he might he also might be a double agent because he's from St. Louis. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Pete Rose thing was a fucking disaster, and it's so funny that MLB like had, they had to okay that, like the Phillies had to ask them if they could have him on the broadcast and the league said yes, which is so fucking weird. Like, uh, is it the golden rule or is it not? It was a choice. And speaking of choice, you're right. Even at Yankee Stadium, the jerseys with names on the back far outnumber the jerseys with no name on the back. And that's including jerseys as well. So I agree. I mean, listen, I used to care more about it, but as I've gotten older, like, I actually don't give a fucking, I don't give a shit. Wear whatever you want. People want to know, they want people to know that they got number 25 for Jason Giambi, not for anyone who's now worn it after him. Right, right. So it's like, you know, our purchases are frozen in time. So I don't blame people who have a favorite player and they want that player to be the number. Because now look at A-Rod. Now fucking 13 is also Joey Gallo. So talk about, like, lesser of two evils. I think there's also a distinction to be made like players who played in an era where nobody had names on their back. Like when you see a guy wearing a Ruth three jersey, jersey, it's like, who else? Yeah, we know. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. It's like you have four. It's like, it's Gehrig. Yeah. No shit. I know. You know what I mean? If it's that obvious, if you want to, I get that. If you want to clarify, you know, like you said, oh, this is Jambi. This is, I guess, even A-Rod. You might have to clarify, right? But, uh, but, but yeah, if you're talking like classic old school guys, like, yeah, we know numbers like one through 10 of the Yankees, you know? And Quinn, it was absolutely the most predictable thing on the planet for Jordan Montgomery to go from a shitty start for the Yankees on like Saturday to then absolutely dominating them um, the next Saturday in a Cardinals uniform. Like with the way the Yankees have been playing, why wouldn't that happen? Why wouldn't it? I am shocked. Shocked. Well, not that shocked. I'm so shocked. congrats. Shocked. Well, not that shocked. Quinn, thank you so much for your call. Our next call is from Jerry. Hey, I'm Chew Desert. Jerry Drobnicki, formerly of Sports Phone, back in the 1980s. I want Alan, Aaron Boone fired ASAP. Now, Bob Lemon, Billy Martin, Stick Michael are not available, but I would like to hire either Joe Madden or Mike Sosha. What do you think? Okay. Take care. Bye. To be honest, Jerry, um, I really don't know how much of this is on Boone. Like, I, I get the 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 pull for so many fans. They want they want to taste blood. You know, they want someone fired, whether it's Boone or it's Cashman, and those are really the only two guys that can be fired and have it be meaningful to fans. I, I mean, Mike Sosha and. and Joe Madden, they were both fired from their jobs. Joe Madden was just fired this year after getting that stupid mohawk haircut. So will that really turn it around? I don't know if bringing old school managers into this clubhouse where they haven't had an old school manager is necessarily the kick that they need for this team specifically. I think I'm following what you're saying. And what you're saying is that the Yankees need to hire Tony La Russa as their only hope. 
Yes. Got it. Because then at least fans will have something actual to blame. Like, this guy's falling asleep. <laughs> Where now we're just like, I think it's him. That, that, would, that would be a satisfying fire, too. It's not going to be as satisfying to fire Boone as some Yankees fans think. No. Get, get yourself a fireable manager. It's fun. <laughs> Jerry, thank you so much for your call. Our next call is from Diego. Hi, guys. Uh, I know this is recording day. I probably You probably know why I'm calling because of the news that happened literally at 3.45 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, right before the Padres took the field at D.C. Tate's being suspended for 80 games while not playing, which is kind of beyond me. It's really embarrassing. It's not the fact that he – I mean, this could be me. I could be biased. I don't feel like he was really cheating to play better because, good God, he has all the ability in the world. And I hear you, Em, and John, you guys love Tatis. More of Em, Emily. But, you know, it's just that, like, if there was a certain substance that will, quote, unquote, help you heal better, you would think you would ask a doctor, like, hey, so, you know, or excuse me, a team doctor that knows all the banned substances, hey, why don't, what can I use to heal whatever I need to heal, which was, apparently was the wrist injury. It was, I don't believe it was really a ringworm. If it was a ringworm, regardless, Tatis still should have asked. He doesn't need to go out and keep making the same mistakes over and over again. It's been kind of just a wild ride, you know, since he got that accident in the Dominican Republic. Two accidents. The one, and, you know, he didn't really seem to care to report about it. Like, it was no big deal. And it's a little shocking. We would see a guy who would light up a clubhouse or light up the fans would really just be so careless. I don't know if that's just how athletes are. I mean, granted, we here in San Diego, we've never really had that type of Cerebral, cerebral athlete. Not even the Damian Tomlinson was at that level. Not even Philip Rivers or even the '80s Chargers. If we had to pick an athlete that would have been that cerebral, it would have been Kawhi Leonard, who played at San Diego State for one year and then went to the NBA. So I will say that Tatis has to really—he has trust issues. He's—he's—he's he's, he's not being trusted by our own organization, and that's not a good thing. So all of us fans are really frustrated. There are some being on social media that are being, you know, hey, shoot him to the moon. Uh, let's not jump ship. Right now, he is young. I get that. But he really has to learn the hard one. He has to learn quick. But anyway, enough of the rant. Uh, all I can say is I really want Tatis to learn from all this, as I'm pretty sure us fans would. He's the reason why, you know, like A-Rod said, on the MLB Network uh, presents the Rise of El Nino, that's a brand you need to market. He's very marketable. But right now, he is losing that marketability, but right now he's just making dumb mistakes. And I, I'm pretty sure a lot of this, you are going to agree to disagree with me, but that's just my rant. Anyway, love that uh, podcast. I try to listen as much as I can. Over and out. Later. To be honest, Diego, I mean, all he can do at this point is learn from it. And he he's going to, uh, you hope. And what he has going for him, because on one side, John, you had mentioned earlier about like A-Rod already had the career a lot of his career behind him. That's great for A-Rod in that he had already established himself where Tatis hasn't, but it also really hurt A-Rod because then it was like, oh, so now these this entire section of his career we can throw out mm. because it doesn't count. And even though like the tainting thing is always there, because then it was there for A-Rod after and it'll be there for Tatis after, there's still, I feel like, a better chance for Tatis to overcome this because it happened so early in his career. Oh, so you're not saying that he's making it easy for us by just allowing us to throw out the next 15 <laughs> years of his career before they happen 
save ourselves some time and effort. Right. Right. Um, one thing you said, Diego, was like, you know, not knowing how that works, you know, him being on the, uh, him being hurt and not playing and juicing. Well, I mean, there were reports along the way of like, you know, he's recovering ahead of schedule. And like, right. you know, Fernando Tatis might be beating the timetables. It's like, yeah, well, now those we timetables exist for a reason. And if you're beating them, it's probably for a reason <laughs> too, right? Um, what I'm curious about how it works is, so, you know, if it's 80 games, is that when he's healthy enough to have been reinstated or does it start now? Like how? I'm pretty sure the clock starts now. When he wouldn't be playing anyway. I think so. Interesting. I- I'm not positive on that. I'll I-, I don't to, know. Uh, I'm just look you know, it up. But yeah. I think it does. And that's why he was so quick to just like, yeah, like I'm oh, not going to appeal. Let's just do this because it's like, all right, you're not pa- playing. Let's in the get next- the first 40 games out of the way now. And, right. Right. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, I know that if if I were you, I would probably be thinking the same thing or saying the same thing. But like, he definitely knew what he was taking, and he cheated on purpose. Like, and I know that that it's it's I'm not trying to act like it's easy to digest as a fan, and I get it. You know, like it's tough to digest that as a fan when one of your favorite players and like the star of your team and a star of the league is now tainted by this. But like, he definitely knew what he was doing, and so much so that his reaction afterwards or his statement rather was as predictable as it gets where he then claimed ignorance and that he didn't know or he knew and he should have looked into well, it like come on you know you can call it cynical and maybe it is but it's true at the end of the day you know it's like these guys take such good care of their bodies like they don't to suddenly know like oh, i didn't know what this was it's like yeah you do you you don't take anything without knowing what it is like let's get real right. And if you are trying to do the plausible deniability, it's like, okay, so this is the one thing that you were like, okay, I'm not going to ask my my personal trainer what this is, and he's not going to tell me the one thing that we do right. this on. Like, So, you know, <laughs> hey, at least it got out of the way now. Am I right? Yeah, hopefully. The day happened, so don't worry. You guys will get through this, and hopefully the Padres start playing a little bit better for you guys, and it'll help you put this in the past, maybe. Diego, thank you so much for your call. Our next call is from Nick. Let's say if you're Aaron Judge and Yankees continue to do what they're doing and they have another postseason failure and and the Yankees don't go past nine years, $360 million, why would he want to come back? Like, go somewhere that's going to pay you 12-plus years, $400 million. He shouldn't get that contract, but some team's going to be dumb enough to pay that. And all this Cabrera stuff, all this call-up stuff, like, what do you want the Yankees to do, okay? And all this talk about fire Boone. Listen, Aaron Boone can make the right move. And guess what? It's still for the players. The players have to win these games. I, I don't know what Yankee Twitter expects. And, John, I know you're probably a little cocky with your Mets playing well. So do you think they will keep playing well and do a deep dive with DeGrom and Scherzer leading at the helm? Nick? Aaron Judge will absolutely go to whatever team offers him 12 years, 400 plus million dollars, because I think that that he won't get anything close to 12 years and as I far don't as think, length. I don't think it matters what the Yankees do the rest of the season as far as results go either. He's, yeah. That, that's, that's done with. Then they enter negotiations. It's fresh. Whoever's paying up, he's going. Right. Like... Uh, but that if let's say you know he doesn't get any offers like that and they're all competitive, I don't think that their performance this year will necessarily have anything to do with his decision. I think that the outlook for the team's future has more to do with 
where he would end up landing. But to be honest, I think it actually has more to do with who's going to give him the job security. Whoever's going to give him the length is who's going to get him if the average annual value is competitive. Just like with Cole. The Yankees got him because they gave him that ninth year. So I think the same will go for Judge. Yeah, and, and Nick, it would wound up being more of a prescient question than we thought at first. Uh, because, yeah, it, it's very much Scherzer and DeGrom we got to ride them straight to hell at this point. You know what I mean? Like, that's it. And it's so, you know, the the microcosm of this series against the Braves shows that, you know, Carrasco hurt, Walker hurt. We got the two big dogs going the next two games. These are must-win games now. We got to take, you know, we got to take them. And, yeah, so I hope it's not too much of a cop-out to say I think we're going to, we're going to go as far as they take us, I think is a pretty obvious statement at this point. And um, I, I personally am optimistic, but... This is that rash of injuries we were waiting for all season. So this is, talk to me next week. (laughs) You know, I'll have a better idea of how things are looking. And I do agree that the players have to go out there and play. You know, like I said with Jerry's voicemail, I don't know how many decisions Boone has actually made that have negatively affected the team's ability to win in the last month as much as just the playing has been abysmal on both sides of the ball. So you can't win games (laughs) if you don't fucking pitch well or hit. Boone, a negative wins above replacement. (laughs) Nick, thank you for your call. Our next call is from Bubak. What up, fam? It's been it's been a while. Uh, two things here: uh, carp, the foot thing. Uh, what is it? Broken foot, and it's a it's a clean break or something funky like that. And and carp says he's going to be back, and and you can't say that no, he probably won't be because he's a freaking psycho. I mean, I think I once heard that uh, he wasn't born from the womb. He just punched his way out. But talking about Carp, uh, possibly being on the IL with a, a foot injury, is that uh, it hasn't happened yet, but I'm sure it's Cashman just uh, I don't know, waiting for the right time, I guess, to call uh, Garter that's sitting at home in South Carolina doing absolutely nothing. Doesn't even have TV on, doesn't have radio on, just sitting in silence because he's a freak show like that, um, it's time for Gardner to shine. Uncle Brett, coming back. Love you guys. Boobox, I'm out. Boobock, I'm so glad that you brought up Carpenter, because we totally skipped over him. I can't believe his fucking... As soon as he fouled that ball off, I was like, no. But I hope he comes back. I mean, I would not expect him to come back and be off the rails like he was when he first came back this season. Oh, that's, that, that's a really high standard. Right? Like, I feel like maybe this was like his, this is, this, maybe this was some like opposite rookie of the year effect where in rookie of the year, his broken arm ended up allowing him the way it healed to like perform at like a pro level. Right. Where now, maybe this broken foot, he like broke the bone that like sent him back to just being regular Matt <laughs> Carpenter. <laughs> we'll have to test the theory when he comes back. If fucking Brett Gardner comes back, I, I mean, then this is just kangaroo court season. Well, that's, yeah. Can you imagine? That's the biggest sign of the Yankees giving up. If he's in the outfield at some point, then then you guys are then the front office is listening to the crappy fans on Twitter and they are tanking <laughs> for whatever reason. So congratulations, Yankee Twitter. You're right. Bubak, thank you so much for your call. Our next call is from Lance from the Bronx. Hey, what's up? You know, it's Lance from the Bronx again. Um at Lance NYYC um at Twitter. Um just wanted to talk about the state of affairs with the current Yankees organization. 
all these other teams bringing up their top prospects, even when they're in a pennant race. But we're like the only team that just refuses day in and day out to bring up our prospects. The last major prospect in my mind that we brought up was like Gleyber Torres, and he wasn't even homegrown. We got him from the Cubs. What is going on with Brian Cashman? What is he, what is he waiting for? Donaldson is not hitting. IKF is okay. Move IKF to third. Bring up Peraza for shortstop. Why is it so hard? It's absolutely abysmal what's going on, and I just can't, you know, I can't understand it. Mind you, I understand we have a 10-game lead, but at the end of the day, come on, let's, let's, let's be better. Um, I don't think we're, we're, we're head-on on winning games right now. I think we're going to settle for whatever happens in the next couple weeks and then go from there, but since we have the lead, but honestly, it's not a good product of baseball right now, and it probably won't be for a little while. So we're going to make the playoffs. We're probably going to win the division, but other than that, I don't know. Anyway, thanks, man. Lance, honestly, you make some really good points. And my knee jerk, when you first said to you know move Donaldson and then have Peraza at short and IKF at third, my knee jerk reaction was to say, oh, like removing a, a bat like Donaldson's ceiling from the lineup to bring in an unknown and then just IKF that would make sense and be a good point of mine if Donaldson weren't playing like absolute dog shit offensively so like I think the only thing that is keeping him there is the fact that he's still hitting the ball hard and maybe luck isn't going his way I mean I'm tired of fucking watching him play but I think that that's the only thing because the Yankees right now what they definitely can't afford is to have two IKFs on the left side of the field they have to have someone who is able to you know put a charge into one every once in a while and now the lead is down to 10 games i mean to nine games they just lost to the rays Mm. and i'm not panicking or anything but i don't think that they're in a position where they're gonna roll the dice like that i think that they're gonna stick with this and we probably won't see peraza at all this season I mean, you don't want me to add to this conversation (laughs) because i i can't relate to you brett Beatty's coming up tomorrow like we're bringing up prospects Lance, thank you so much for your call. Our last call is from Block. Good morning. It's Block. It's taken me a few weeks to get used to the Red Sox sucking. I'm over it, flipping into full Yankee troll mode. Oh, my God, this swoon is incredible. Every time I look up, it's a collapse or a calamity or some other billion-dollar baby not getting it done scenario. Unbelievable. Giancarlo's out with a hangnail again. China doll. How do you guys do it? How do you put on a podcast on a week like this as your team just gutlessly comes down the finish line? Anyway, I look forward to your commentary. Okay, first off. What do you mean we, mammal? What do you mean we, mammal? I am not a Yankees fan. (laughs) Just want to make that clear if it wasn't glaringly obvious. And second of all, I just want to go on record as saying I fucking hate you so much. Like <laughs> I don't even have anything that I could even add because you're right. Like this fucking stretch has been awful so much so, and I've never resented the Yankees during this stretch more than I do right now. Well, listen, if it makes you feel any better, and you know I'm not going to accidentally dox block by saying where it was, but he posted on Twitter the forecast for the coming week where he lives, which I believe is California. I'll say that. Um, the temperatures are all literally like 105 degrees and where it would normally say like, you know, sunny, partly cloudy. It says smoke. So he's literally living in hell right now. 
So he's he's just lashing out. No, don't be too hard on the guy. He's he's going through it out there. Yeah, thanks so much for calling Beelzebub. <laughs> Live from the bowels of hell. It's Block. That about wraps it up for Breaking Balls. We want to thank all of our callers. You guys are amazing. Well, most of our callers, right? 99.9% of our callers. <laughs> Stay cool, Block. Anyone else listening wants to get in on the fun? Feeling brassy? Give the Breaking Balls hotline a call. 631 820-7377. You can also find us on Twitter at BreakBallsPod. And we want to thank our amazing and talented producer and engineer, DJ Bingington. You can find him on Twitter as well at DJ B-I-N-G-I-N-G-T-O-N. And we will catch you guys next week. <laughs>